This is Shi'ar Jeshub, which in Hebrew means, A remnant shall return. Coming to you from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo. In this broadcast, we will be listening to the continuation of a sermon from the Heavenly Authority series taught by my husband and the pastor of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Greg Scalzo. Pastor is currently in the book of 2 Samuel, in the section in chapter 24, where the anger of the Lord is aroused against Israel, and he moves David against them. We saw last time from 1 Chronicles 21, how the Lord allows Satan to incite David to number Israel. And David tells his commander to, Go, number Israel and Judah. And Israel and Judah are numbered separately. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. So David is culpable in this situation. There's an attitude playing that's wrong in David's heart that starts from the fact that he would break faith with his brother Uriah that results in the breaking of faith of the covenant of one Israel, brother against brother, a civil war. We can understand that from the history of our own nation. He is to be king over one nation, but sin has divided his house, his sin, and that sin will divide all the people of God and this us versus them, and we see it in the church, right? Mentality brings in the breaking apart of Israel. And God will show the sin full-blown by letting David do what's deep down, by pulling back the common sense. He might know, he may want to number them, but knows he shouldn't. Well, God takes that common sense away. He lets Satan prowl on David, and David does what he wants, and it brings a penalty to all of Israel. And then the, all of Israel's sin comes of the judgment and is clearly seen. So here God is allowing Satan to move David. Satan is the tempter. But in a sense, in 2 Samuel 24, since God is using it to bring in light both Israel and David's sin, God is moving David. That's why it says the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David against them. He's using Satan. Satan is the tempter. But in a sense, it's God because he allows it for a purpose. You might say he's pulled back his hand of common sense from David in anger against their sin for the purpose of purifying his people. And we'll also see that from all of this, he'll set up one of the greatest examples in the Old Testament of the salvation that would be provided many centuries later in the work of his son Jesus. We'll work to that point as we do this study. So the sin against Uriah has had far-reaching results. Let's reread verse 2 of 2 Samuel chapter 24. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people that I may know the number of the people. Count the people that I may know the number of the people. Now, David is guilty just as the Israelites. 
And even though he's a man after God's own heart, what do we learn? What have we studied in the authority series? What are the words in Acts chapter 10, verse 34? God is no respecter of persons, or God shows no partiality in the New King James. Even as with Pharaoh, even as with Pharaoh, in Exodus 7, 3, where he says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And the Egyptians, verse 5, shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. He did it to Pharaoh, the leader over the Egyptians. He took away his common sense to show his glory that sin would be dealt with, that his people would be delivered. Well, if he did it with Pharaoh, God is no respecter of persons. Even his beloved, even the man after his own heart, God will treat the same. He is no respecter of persons. And when David and Israel sin the way Pharaoh and Egypt sins, he too will stretch out his hand here, and Israel will be judged. Counting the people. David's incited to take the census by Satan. Count the people. The King James Version says, number ye the people. And numbering in the Bible is an interesting topic. We have a book in the Pentateuch called Numbers. Numbers play a significant role in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, from the seven days of the week to three being a holy number, the four gospels, witnessing two by two, all the way to the book of Revelation, the 144,000, the 666, numbers play a significant role in the Bible. Some have studied the scriptures and say that there are numerical codes hidden in the scriptures to show the one unifying mind of God, the unifying mind of Christ that wrote Genesis through Revelation. The tools of quantifying, of accounting, of reckoning, of numbering. These things, mathematics, can all be ways of appreciating and understanding the ways of God, understanding God's creation, measuring, counting, grasping God's creation. Or they can be an instrument of man's pride and manipulation. Unlike the animals, God gives mankind the ability to handle, to calculate, to understand numbers. We can mathematically understand and make computations because we are made in the image of the rational God who has ordained laws, equations all around us. The laws, the forces of nature can be put down in mathematical form on paper. We can grasp it. The animals cannot. We can appreciate the complexity of it. The animals cannot. God gives us the ability for mathematics. Today, in our society, more and more it seems that every area is based upon measuring, upon numbering, upon counting, upon computing. And we'll see as this study develops that this account of David's, David's numbering of the people actually provides information to us for the last days. 
It'll provide information about the salvation of Jesus Christ, and it'll provide information about numbering that will bring us into an understanding of last day events. There are right motives and there are wrong motives in numbering. Let's read God's direction for a census in Exodus chapter 30. In Exodus chapter 30 and verse 11, we'll read down from 11 to 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, when you take the census, the numbering of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom, and a ransom or an price of life. If you look down in your side of your Bibles there. Then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This event of numbering, of counting, is so sensitive in God's sight, we tend to take it just as another event. We have a census in our country, but it's a special event in God's sight because he tells Moses, when you do this, every man has to give a ransom for himself to the Lord. And if you don't, it's so important that he pays this price for life, this price of a life, this ransom. Otherwise, there'll be a plague among you. Very dramatic statement. Verse 13, this is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 geras. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. 20 years and above. And you see, as we read on, that at this point they'll be numbering the men that are available to go to war. And the age that's given is 20 and above. Below that, they're considered youngsters, children. 15, the rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. So it's not graduated based on income. Everyone has to provide the same amount. When you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So it makes atonement. It makes reconciliation. When you take this numbering, do it this way, very precise. Every man, all Israel, 20 years and above, rich and poor alike, otherwise a plague will fall upon the people. And what is the money for? The money's for an offering to the Lord. How? To give to the service of the tabernacle. If you read in verse 16, it says, And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. There has to be this atonement, this ransom, this life price paid, and when it's paid, the money goes into the tabernacle for the service of the tabernacle of meeting. It goes for the Levites to take care of the tabernacle. And it's not just an offering, an obligation for God's service. It's a memorial. 
They're to remember it. It's important to remember, he said, for the children to remember, the children of Israel to have as a memorial, to remember that when you count how many you are, when you decipher, when you reckon your power and you say, how many strong men do we have 20 years and above, when you count yourself in such a way to see your numbers, then humble yourself and make this offering to the Lord because anytime there's a numbering, there's an obligation. Anytime you reckon, there's an obligation to support God's work, to support the ministry at the tabernacle, and to remember that you need atonement. We'll have to break from the sermon at this point. I hope you have enjoyed delving into the riches of God's Word and will join us next time as Pastor Greg continues the Heavenly Authority series. You can write to us at our post office box in Branford, Connecticut. That's Shi'ar Jashub, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in Madison, Connecticut, in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. If you would like to join us for Bible study, worship, communion, and prayer, take I-95 to exit 61 in Madison. Go south to Route 1. The Memorial Hall is the yellow brick and white building adjacent to the green, across from the James Madison Memorial. May our Lord Jesus bless you as you serve Him. And please remember to join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.